Well, hey, good morning. It is, <laughs> it is so great to see you all. I think it's been probably about three years, actually, since we've been here. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeff Gephardt. My wife, Kristen, is here. I am a pastor in the Seattle Presbytery serving right now at Sammamish Presbyterian Church as a director of operations. We left this congregation in the midst of COVID. Uh, so I think we kind of said goodbye online, which was really weird and said hello to the church that we're currently at at Sammamish online. Like you, we've gone through the transition of coming out of the pandemic and coming back into person and maintaining a hybrid ministry online. Hello to those of you who are watching online. Yeah, life has been good for us. Life has been challenging for us, but it's great to see your faces. And I'm, I'm thankful to be here. I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that Dave is getting some vacation. Uh, and I'm glad that Dave asked me to be here. So I'm often doing things at Sammamish, but occasionally I can get away. So very excited about this message today. It's something that is near and dear to my heart. And let me just start by reading our scripture passage. It's actually the kind of the second part of the Luke Acts saga that Luke writes uh, about Jesus. And so this comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. I'll read this and then I'll pray. So Luke writes, In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and the cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand up looking toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. We thank you for this word this morning. We pray that you would be our teacher this morning, that you would empower us and equip us, and send us out to be your people in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. It was so fun to get uh, an update about Emmanuel Farm today. Actually, I want to talk to you about something that is very, uh, like a, just a cemented memory in my mind. So when Kristen and I were in California, so our first call was um, out of seminary, went to Chico, and we were raising our boys there. Both our boys were born in Chico, California. Really early on, I think 
Alex was just, you know, he was a toddler, like super young. So Kristen was like, hey, well, I'm in California. I should probably grow some things because things grow really well in Chico, California. So we built some boxes and she planted a vegetable garden and just like had this joy of like all these things that just grew. And it was really fun to see. And so they would spend time out in the garden, like she and Alex, and she started growing tomatoes. Do we grow tomatoes out here? So they were so excited because these tomatoes are ripening, right? Usually about this time, right? During the summer. And, and they were just like picking them off the vine and eating them out in the garden. And this was happening like every day, you know, it was like the tomatoes would get ripe and everything. I think I got a little jealous. I think I was kind of envious because I was, I don't know, working or something like that. And they and finding out about this and Alex is like delighting in all of these tomatoes that are getting ripe every day. Right. So finally, Kristen was like, okay, as they were out there and Alex is pointing to a tomato, she says, that's daddy's tomato. Thankfully, she's reserving a tomato for me. You know, so then just imagine like little Alex is kind of like, that's daddy's tomato. And he's, you know, walking around and playing on the patio and on the toys or something. And every once in a while, like, you know, kids that are learning language, he'd come back and he'd point to that tomato and be like, that's daddy's tomato. And he, he got really excited that like, that was daddy's tomato. Like this was a special tomato as it was ripening. So finally the day comes when the tomato is like ripe and it's ready to be eaten. So, you, you know, imagine the excitement of Alex, the toddler, like as we go out on the patio and like he shows me this tomato that's been, you know, ripening, and I get to pick it and right in front of him, I get to eat it, enjoy this tomato. He was just like, so, you know, he was kind of so excited about that particular moment, right? What if like, I don't know, somebody important was coming into town and found out that you had this amazing garden. And they like wanted to have this special dinner with like the garden, the fruits of, of, you know, of your labors, right? Like there could be kind of, I think, sort of two reactions to that. On the one hand, you might be like just really excited to joyfully share like what you have, you know? Some of us, like I think sometimes me, maybe I could be a little hypocritical. I would start freaking out about whether my tomatoes were like good enough, you know, and I'd be like, I don't know, like this is probably, you know, I mean, who, somebody important, you know, I don't know. The president or like some dignitary or for me it'd be like bono or something from you two and 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 you're just like you're you're you know you need to give these tomatoes but like you you know you you're just not really sure right like i i think when it comes to cultivating something we can we can have sort of these two postures one is we can just sort of be joyful that we get to participate in in this thing and 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 give this thing away and the other is we can maybe sort of cling to it or feel like it's not good enough or struggle with the fact that it's our duty to give it or, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it paints this image kind of for me paints two pictures of what it means to follow Jesus and to respond to the mission of the kingdom. So walk through this with me a little bit. So when we begin to see that like our work and the things we do, the gifts that we have are our gifts to be cultivated like a garden and to be joyfully given to whoever needs them, whoever can participate in them, whoever can use them. It becomes this amazing experience, right, of joyful participation. Sometimes we see the resources that we've been given, our time and our talents and our treasure as things for us to hoard or things that we're not so confident about. Maybe we're, we feel a little uneasy giving them away or we feel like they're not good enough. And in that frame, it becomes kind of this duty, it becomes a little angsty and anxiety ridden of our participation. 
This is exactly how Tim Dearborn, some of you know Tim uh, from UPC days, uh, maybe if, if you were at UPC, but Tim Dearborn wrote this book called Beyond Duty, and I love how he frames this. He says this, he says, God's church falters from exhaustion because Christians erroneously think that God has given them a mission to perform in the world. Rather, the God of mission has given his church to the world. So it is not the church of God that has a mission in the world, but it's the God of mission who has a church in the world. The church's involvement in mission is its privileged participation in the actions of the trying God. Let me say that one phrase again. It's not the church of God that has a mission in the world. Maybe more like duty. It's the God of mission who has a church in the world. Participation. So I think what Tim is basically saying is that it changes our perspective to think about the God who is a God of mission actively out doing what God wants to do, doing God's work in the world, and we get to participate in that. We get to joyfully participate in that. It changes our perspective to think of it that way, just as it changes our perspective to think of the gifts that we cultivate in our, in our garden, the gifts that we cultivate in our life to give to others. So this is, I think, what, what Jesus is doing in this, how Luke reports it in, in Acts, right? What I want to do this morning is I want to kind of build a little bit of a thesis statement with us all and unpack the scripture and kind of see how it adds to that. So I want to submit to you that like what Tim is pointing to and what this image of the garden is pointing to and what Jesus is referring to in Acts chapter one is that the integrating theme of mission is the kingdom of God. The integrating theme of mission is the kingdom of God. So in verse three, it it talks about the fact that Jesus is speaking about the kingdom, right? He's presumably talking them maybe about some of the things he's already taught them about, or maybe he's teaching them some new things. He's referring to the parables that he's maybe taught about, or and you know, we don't really know exactly what he's saying during this moment, right, before he ascends to the Father, but it's clear that he's continuing to equip the disciples with knowledge about what the kingdom is all about. It's also clear that they don't totally get it, but we know that Jesus was constantly teaching in parables throughout the gospels. He's referred to as telling these stories, right? The kingdom of, is, of heaven is like this. The kingdom of God is like this, right? And oftentimes those themes were agricultural. I mean, that was, that was the parlance of the day. That was the economy of the day. So Jesus referred to the vineyard or the farmland, um, it's no wonder then, like Paul, when he talks about what it means to be about what God is doing, uses the same kind of imageries, right? He talks about planting and watering and growing. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So it's kind of like Paul is also saying, look, we're, we're co-laborers out in this garden. We're, we're out there doing this together, but we shouldn't take the credit. We're participating in something that God is doing, the way God is growing the kingdom. We get to participate. So the integrating theme of mission is the kingdom of God. But the integrating theme of mission as the kingdom of God is also something that we get to participate in. So chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So key word there, Jesus is using this word witness. 
we know that that word literally means martyr. Many in the world have been called to lay down their lives as a witness and testimony to Jesus. And we may not experience that necessarily here. Thank the Lord. But being a witness is essentially pointing to who Jesus is, right? So Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Point to Jesus, not at ourselves. My father was a pediatrician and spent years also doing short-term medical missions. It was something that he became really passionate about. He, he passed away about a year ago. And uh, one of the things that I just remember him talking about is his story, particularly in Uzbekistan. So, I mean, I got to go to Kenya with my dad and he probably made 40, 50 trips over the course of 30, 40 years. And he was really passionate about teaching doctors medicine, like kind of passing on and equipping them to understand it, particularly developmental issues for children. And so he went to Uzbekistan over and over again. That was one of the places that he constantly went to. And he said that they were Muslim there, but he said that a lot, sometimes he would get this question like, why do you come here? You know, why do you, why do you do this? And my dad just kind of said, he simply loved to just say, I come here because the love of Jesus compels me to. And he wasn't like preachy or, you know, that kind of thing. But over time, these doctors began to get the sense of like this motivation was coming because he was joyfully participating in and who God, who Jesus was calling him to be in the world. And I, that's always kind of stuck with me. I do this because of Jesus. So we get the opportunity to joyfully participate. The integrating theme of mission is the kingdom of God. We get to participate. But then notice how Jesus says we get to participate with people near and far who are like us and who are not like us. So where does it say that? Well, it says in this passage that Jesus says that we'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So those four areas. So, I mean, we can think literally Jesus is giving him geographical locations, right? But like, what would that mean for us? What would it mean for us to look at? If you think about it, so Jerusalem was like, it was the center of power, obviously, for the Jewish community at that time. It was basically, though, people that are near us and like us, right? So, Everyone here defines themselves as Jews who are operating under kind of the temple structure. Obviously, there's Roman occupation during Jesus's day, but essentially like it's everyone like me and also near me in proximity to me. So that's one way of thinking about Jerusalem. The second place is Judea. That's like our nation. We certainly have uh, lots of diversity in the U.S., lots of different perspectives, but at a basic level, too, we have a, a common commitment to a national way of doing things. We have, a, we have some common features of our culture, so we can travel around the U.S. and we can meet people that share some common basic convictions. So maybe we don't live near them, like they're in a different state, we don't see them, but they're, so they're far from us, but they're like us. Another way of thinking about this is Samaria. Jesus says, you'll, you'll go to Samaria. So the Samaritans were right there in proximity to the Jews, right? But very different. There were some basic things in common, but over time they had created this level of difference and even sort of animosity in many ways to each other, right? Which is, it makes it so significant that Jesus would talk about the parable of the good Samaritan and lift up a Samaritan as an example of what it means to to be about his mission. 
because most Jews would be like, whoa, that's not somebody I would think of as exemplar. Samaritans are not like us. Maybe we're very aware of the differences in our values, our cultural perspective. Maybe we speak a totally different language, but they're right here in our midst. And then finally, the ends of the earth are the nations that are outside our border. So think about this for a second. Jesus is telling us that our participation in being witnesses to what God is doing, what the kingdom of God is all about, happens in these four spheres. It happens with people that are like us and right next to us in proximity. It happens to people that are like us, but maybe far away from us. It happens with people who are right amongst us, but very different from us. Maybe it's somebody living in your neighborhood that speaks a totally different language than English. Maybe it's somebody who comes from a very different cultural background. And you've kind of wondered, you know, what would it be like for me to, to understand what this world is like for this person? You know, what's it like for them to be an immigrant here in the U.S.? What's their experience like? They're different from me. And yet they're living right next door to me or I'm working with them. And then finally, the ends of the earth, the nations outside our border. In many ways, this frames up an agenda for what it means for us as the church to be about God's mission in these different spheres. It's actually a really interesting exercise for all of us to think, you know, how am I like, where am I focused on on living out being a joyful participant in the kingdom in these four areas? What's that going to take? I mean, I think there's a few things that just to kind of point us in a direction that's helpful. The first is we we need to ask ourselves the question, what does Jesus care about? We have to take seriously our formation. How are we listening to what Jesus cares about? And so when he calls us to be these witnesses in these different spheres, we're actually tuned in to what it is that he cares about. The second thing is, where's our attention? What is God already doing here? When you show up at a workplace or in a community group that you're involved in or you know some kind of club or or the the starbucks or the coffee shop that you frequent asking ourselves the question what is god already doing here in this place among these people is a way to frame up what it means to be a kingdom witness also it's going to take connection it takes us to ask you know and the people in my neighborhood, the people in my city, the people in my world, the people at my place of work, the people in my community group, what does this person or these people need or think or feel? And finally, I think when we talk about joyfully participating in God's mission, we also have to ask the question, what can I receive? Because sometimes we think this is what I'm going to give. And God calls us to actually go, this group that I'm relating to, that I'm, in, that I'm trying to encourage and, and be like Jesus with, what do they have? How are they strong, right? I think there's a way to put this in a little bit more simpler but elegant terms. I learned this from Tim Dearborn as well. He, he once said that a Haitian pastor was once asked, what makes a good missionary? And the reply was, someone who loves Jesus and who loves Haitians. I love that. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. For all of us to ask, Jesus is calling me to joyfully participate in God's kingdom. Here, far, with people that are different from me and near next to me, what does it mean for me to love Jesus and love blank? You fill in the blank.
So the integrating theme of mission is the kingdom of God. And we get to participate with people near and far like us and not like us. But Jesus will also return again. So we have hope because following Jesus means we believe that though we look around the world and we see the reality of sin and and death and evil and injustice, things will be made right, right? In this Acts passage, the angels remind the disciples that Jesus will come again. And we get to be a part of that rescue mission right now. I'm going to go ahead and finish up by leaving us with this important question. How is God calling us to participate in God's joyful mission? For those of you who know Art Beals, he was very important for my wife and I. And there was a saying at church that at UPC that God loves you and Art Beals has a wonderful plan for your life. (laughs) And my wife and I went into Art's office and we talked about being young adults and what we wanted to do. Kristen was trained as a teacher. I was probably heading to seminary and we opened up ourselves and 12 weeks later we were in Albania. Uh, And for us, it opened up an opportunity to see ourselves as joyfully participating in the kingdom of God. I want to encourage us this morning as we um, think about our mission. Let me spend a moment and pray. God, we ask for your grace at this moment in time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.